chapter number 5. This is the ninth in a series of messages on the local church, not the local church in general, but our local church here at West Lenore. We touch on the local church in general, but specifically we are talking about us as the local, a local reflection of the body of Christ. Last Sunday, I read from Romans 1, verse 14 through 17, and then I read this passage in Ephesians 5, and I preached about the importance of a gospel-centered church. And I defined the gospel, also talked about how the gospel obligates us, as it did the Apostle Paul. He said, I am a debtor. And the gospel obligates us as well. Then I asked several questions uh, and then closed with a pastoral observation about our church. I asked this question, what is there in Wesleyan or Baptist Church that deserves to continue because it is biblical and because it is right? Then I asked, what is there in Wesleyan or Baptist Church that can continue? Of course, the answer to that is only that which is biblical, only that which is right. If we fail to understand the part that the gospel plays in that, then of course the local assembly will not survive. If we fail to understand the gospel, if we fail to believe the gospel, if we fail to live the gospel, this church will not survive the pressures of our times. My final words last Sunday was these, only a gospel-centered church will survive what we are facing today and what is coming. Everything else, everything less, will be swallowed up and consumed by the culture, and rightly so." End quote. Romans 1.17 says, The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Not our ability to draw a crowd, not our ability to do certain things, not our ability to appease the culture. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. It is the dynamic, it is the dynamite that is able to change people's lives. The church is not a service-oriented institution. We are not the Burger King or the Chick-fil-A on the corner spiritually. We are not here that men drive by and get what they want. We are here to preach the gospel and to live the gospel and to love a lost world and let them know about Christ's sacrifice on the cross for those who will believe. This morning, I want us to look at Ephesians 5, specifically verse 25, but I want to read verse 25 through verse number 32 again as we continue to look at the gospel and the church. Ephesians 5, verse number 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I substituted the words it for her and she because it's speaking of the bride of Christ. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, and of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And there's Paul's summary statement. This is a great mystery, 
but I speak concerning Christ and the church. How the gospel is connected, how the gospel is interwoven with the church. When you remove the gospel from the church, then the gospel ceases to be the gospel and the church ceases to be the church. They are interwoven. They are inseparable. The church has no message without the gospel. The gospel has no fruit without the church. Notice with me this morning as we look at this text about the giving of Christ for the church and the love that Christ has for the church. If someone were to ask, why should I love the church? One of the obvious answers is because Christ loved the church. If I should submit to the local fellowship, if I should be a part of a local fellowship, why is that so? Because Christ gave Himself for the church. A church is a body of believers in Jesus Christ who have, has their life from Him and has their life in Him. A church is more than a collection of people who meet together on Sundays. In our local church here at West Lenore, what we share goes beyond our being here in this building. It goes beyond our being with other Christians in general. We share other things with other Christians in general. There are other local churches meeting today that we are not a part of locally, but we are a part of that total bride of Christ and that body of Christ. We share that with them. But local churches share something uh, together that other churches do not share. We share more than what we share in general with just other believers. And it seems this morning that a lot of professing Christians are content. They are satisfied just to be a Christian in general and never share in the local body of Christ. As we have seen over the past eight weeks, that is unbiblical. And there are many commands that we cannot obey and many things we cannot fulfill if we separate ourselves from that local assembly. Today, thousands, yes, hundreds of thousands of people will gather in football stadiums. They will gather at racetracks and they will gather at other events to share a common enjoyment or a common interest. Some will wear their team colors. They will dress alike. They will sit in certain places together. They even have their own language, certain words that they use to identify them with the group with which they are meeting. But when the event is over, when the game is over, when the race is over, they will walk out of that stadium, they will get in their cars or trucks and drive home, and they will get on with their separate lives and do as they have always done. They will take off their jerseys and their identifying marks. They will drop the language of that day and go back to just the common, every ordinary day language. That is not how the local church operates. We did not drive here today to just be representatives of an event. We didn't come here today just to dress for this occasion. We, our life with each other does not stop when the amen is said and when we get in our cars and go home. Our life continues. Our life goes on because we weep when we, others weep. We rejoice when others rejoice. It is not just when we are here that we are the church. It is when we are everywhere when I leave today and you leave today, I don't forget you and I hope you don't forget me. When I leave today and you leave today, I don't stop praying for you and I hope you don't stop praying for me. When I leave today and you leave today, I don't stop worshiping. We continue to worship and we continue to share Christ. And whenever difficulty comes to your life on Monday or Tuesday, I share in that same burden whether I'm with you in the same building or not. Why? Because we are the body of Christ and we are one in Jesus. It's only in a local church that we can be members of Christ and of one another and function as our Lord intended for us to function. 
I read that a few weeks ago from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 27. It is together that we grow. It is together that we suffer. It is together that we mature and worship and glorify our Lord. And here in Ephesians 5, if you'll back up to verse 21, it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We'll look at that in more detail in the weeks to come. But when you are in a local church, uh, you lose some of your space, some of your independent freedom. You give that up to be a part of the church. My hand is not free to separate itself from the rest of my body. My eyes and ears are not free today to separate themselves and live independently Why? Because we are members of the body of Christ. So we share that life today. I feel sorry for anyone who thinks church is about what's done here between 11 and 12 on any given Sunday. It is so much more than that. This is just the time that we corporately meet together along with other occasions. But if you are truly a part of Christ's church and a part of a local church that belongs to Him, life goes on when we leave this place and we don't really separate from each other. We do physically, but we still care for one another. We pray for one another. We think about one another and we do our best to exhort one another to live for Christ. To be a part of the local church means Christians have to choose between isolation and belonging. Isolation is easy. We live in a culture that loves to isolate. But belonging is difficult at times. It costs you to belong to something. But it's so much more satisfying than being out there on your own and having no one with which to share life. That is one of the key thoughts in Paul's analogy here in Ephesians 5 and verse 25 through 32 where he's bringing to the front again that metaphor of the body of Christ being the bride of Christ. And it's not my purpose this morning to discuss marriage that's in the text, but it's, that's not my purpose this morning or even the particulars of what it means to be a bride and how that relates to the church. But my purpose this morning is, as we did last Sunday from Romans, is to see how the gospel is still a part of the church. And the gospel is mentioned here in the text that I read this morning. Maybe it's somewhat overshadowed by the metaphor of the bride and just the, just the name of the church. But underneath this here is interwoven the gospel. And it is seen in the love that Christ has for the church And it's also seen in the giving of Himself. There is no gospel without the love of Christ for His church. And there is no gospel without the giving of Christ, the giving of Himself, that you and I might be saved. Notice with me in the text in Ephesians 5.25, first of all this morning, how Christ loved the church. Now, as I've told you, when we read these different scriptures, sometimes it's referring to the universal church, all that, are, that make up the body of Christ, and at other times it's referring to the local assembly. But there would be no local assembly without all of the church and all of the body of Christ. But it says in verse 25 that Christ also loved the church. Now, Paul is making the statement about why husbands should love their wives and how they should love them. But I want to call your attention this morning to the fact that Christ loved the church. You say, okay, preacher, big deal. What, what, is, what is that? What's so important about Christ loving the church? It's because the gospel is interwoven here with this biblical metaphor of the bride. Just like a husband would love his wife, Christ also loved the church. And the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Christ's whole attitude toward His church is that of sacrificial love. It is a contradiction today for people to say that they are saved and that they belong to Christ when in fact they have no love for the church. That is a biblical contradiction. And people can stand and tell me all day how they made a profession of faith when they were younger and how they're saved and they are absolutely 100% sure they're going to heaven, but they want nothing to do with the church. That is a biblical contradiction. 
Christ loved the church. He loved His church with sacrificial love. And let me remind you, when Christ loved the church, it was not a two-way street. As one writer said, when Christ loved the church, it was not affection answering affection. Now I hope when you got married, that love was a two-way street. I hope when you said to your prospective bride, I love you and want you to marry me, I hope she didn't say, I hate you, but I love you your money and I'm going to marry you for that. I hope that wasn't what you heard. Or, I'm glad you love me, but maybe I'll learn to love you, but I sure do love the ground your daddy owns, so I'm going to marry you. I hope your love in your physical marriage, your physical marriage was love a two-way street. But I want to remind you, when Christ loved His church, it was not a two-way street. He loved a bunch of people who loved ourselves more than we loved God. He loved us when we were enemies of Him. Christ loved the church before you and I ever became a part of that church. As a matter of fact, He loved the church before He ever brought the church into existence here in this world. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 1, 3-6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children, by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. And then Paul said, All of that is to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He made us accepted in the Beloved. This is not about Him loving us and you loving Him. This is about Christ loving the church when you and I had nothing to do with Him, when we despised Him, when we would have spit in His face had we had the opportunity. Thank God He loved the church. He loved us with a sacrificial love. Why did He do that? How could He do that? Well, He says in John 4, 34, My meat, my meat, my purpose for being here is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. In John 6, 38 through 40, He said, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up in the last day. Church, that is sacrificial love in action. Christ loved the church. He loved us when we did not love Him. He came for us when we would not come to Him. He came to get us when we had no desire to be with Him. You say, well, why are we here today? All because of the amazing grace of Almighty God. Christ loved the church. And it really staggers me today to think how many people are demonstrating their apathy, their indifference, and their disdain, and their desire to separate from the local church while claiming to be Christians, when in fact we are the bride of Christ to whom He loved. We are His people, and we are His church. There has never been a time when Christ did not love His church. It was always the plan of the Father, through the Son, to love the undeserving to save those who would believe, and to do so for the glory of His own name. We are not here today for our own glory. Thank God we're here today for the glory of the One who loved us and the One who saved us. Incidentally, it is never said that I have ever read, maybe you have read it, I have never read it. I could be mistaken because I'm not infallible. But I have never read in the New Testament 
where the Bible said that Christ loved the world. I've never read that. It may be in there. I may have overlooked it, but I've never read it. Yes, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, meaning that He loved this depraved, this deceitful, this darkened, this, this world that was totally oblivious to Him. Yes, God so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son but meaning primarily that His love was not limited to the Jewish people, but also to the Gentiles. But it never says that Jesus loved the world that I've ever read. But in the New Testament it says repeatedly that Christ loves His church, and He loves those who He has saved by His grace and made a part of His church. Now I know that may strain you just a moment. I'm not splitting hairs here. Christ tells us who He loves because it's important for us to see that the one who gave Himself for us is the one who loves us. And we should be here this morning primarily because now that we are saved, we love Him and we want to obey Him and we want to serve Him. We shouldn't be here today because it's the traditional thing to do. We shouldn't be here today because this is what you were raised to do. You shouldn't be here today because this is the thing you've always done on Sunday mornings or this is the thing mom and daddy taught you to do. You should be here this morning because you love Him who first loved you and this is His church that He sacrificed and gave himself for. Paul said in Galatians 6.20 that Christ loved him. The Bible says in John 11.5 that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The Bible says in John 13.1 that Jesus loved his own. John in his gospel refers to himself numerous times as the disciple whom Jesus loved, John 13, 23 and 26, John 20, verse 2, John 21, verse 7 and verse 20. In Mark 10, 21, it tells us that Jesus loved the rich young ruler. But when you look at the verses that specifically tell us what Jesus love, loves, it is overwhelmingly His own it is overwhelmingly His church. And He says in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6, He loved us. Ephesians 5, 2, He loved us. Revelation 1, 5, unto Him that loved us. He is constantly telling us over and over again, He loves His church. And He loves those that He has saved by His grace. Because the word love there is talking about His sacrificial atoning work that we might be saved. Now it does say in John 14, 21 that He will love those who keep His commandments and that's only possible whenever you're born from above. Christ loved the church. I want Weston Lord Baptist Church this morning to be renewed in mind and heart and understand that Christ loves His church. And that's just not an emotion or affection. But His love is defined for us in the next statement in verse 25. Christ also loved the church, comma, conjunction, and He proved that love by giving Himself for the church. Christ gave Himself on the cross for His church. He gave Himself on the cross for His church. Yes, He loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. Yes, He loved Paul. Yes, He loved the rich young ruler. Yes, He loves those who keep His commandments. But He gave Himself for the church. And if Paul, Mary, Martha, or Lazarus, or if the rich young ruler ever came to Christ, if any of these ever come, if anybody ever keeps His commandments, it will be because Christ has given Himself for us and we believe that and we confess that with our mouth and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then we are saved. But He gave Himself for the church. Is it important for us here at West Lenore to understand what is meant when the Bible said Christ gave Himself for her, for the church? I think it is. I, I think it's important that we know that there is a church because Christ gave Himself for us. He gave Himself for the church. The word gave Himself speaks of the sacrificial nature of what Christ did for the church. Gave there. The word gave means 
to put into the hands of another. If I give you something, it's put, taken from my hands and put into your hands. Christ gave Himself. He gave Himself up. It's what it's literally speaking about. Listen to Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Listen to John 10, 11. Jesus speaking, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth His life for the sheep. He giveth His life for the sheep. He gave away His life so you and I who are dead in sin could have life and be a part of the body of Christ and be a part of His glorious bride. Where did He do that, preacher? He did that on the cross. That's where He gave Himself up for His bride. He gave Himself up for His bride. To the Romans, Paul writes in Romans 4.15, Christ was delivered or given up for our offenses. To the Galatians, Paul writes in Galatians 1.4, Christ gave Himself for our sins. He gave Himself for our sins. He didn't give Himself so you could live your best life now. He didn't give Himself so you could be healthy and wealthy. He didn't give Himself for all of that stuff. He gave Himself for our sins, for our stinking, rotten unrighteousness. Christ gave Himself for our depravity. Christ gave Himself to appease the wrath of God. Christ gave Himself to those who had nothing to give or no merits or claim that we could now be a part of what He calls the Bride of Christ. It was on the cross that He gave Himself. He also wrote in Galatians 6.20, Paul said, Who loved me and gave Himself for me. There is the gospel. He loved me and gave Himself for me. All, all of the wrath of God against those of us who make up the church, all of the sins of those of us who make up the church, all of that was forgiven in Christ's substitutional death on the cross. Yes, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world. God so loved both Jew and Gentile. But if you stop right there, that's all you have. But that kind of love demanded this kind of giving. That kind of love required this kind of sacrifice. That kind of love required this kind of substitutionary death. That type of love required that someone satisfy the wrath of Almighty God and justify sinners who was legally against God and alienated from God, perishing in sin and doomed for a Christless eternity in torment. That kind of love demanded this kind of giving and thank God Jesus gave Himself. And then people get up on a Sunday morning and said, you want to go to Wilson's Creek or you want to go to church? Well, let's just go up to Wilson's Creek. It's a pretty fall day. You don't understand the gospel nor do you understand the church. Period. Yeah, I got saved when I was nine or ten. No, you didn't. Not if the church and the giving of Christ for it means that to you. No, absolutely. That's a, new, that's a biblical contradiction. A biblical contradiction. When you see that Christ gave Himself for His church. Every man in here, if you have any sense at all, if you're married and you have any sense at all, if there's any kind of currency going through your brain, any kind of rationale, any, and I don't know how else to say it, would not get off work on Friday and think, my wife gave up her life to become my bride. My wife gave up her name and took my name. My wife has given up a lot of things to be my wife and be the mother of my children and the caregiver and taker of our home. But I think today I'll go home with somebody else's wife. And you explain to me how somebody who professes to be saved by God's grace will say, Christ's church just doesn't appeal to me anymore. Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. 
And I tell you what, if you're a Christian, you overlook a lot of hypocrisy. You, look, you overlook a lot of foolishness. You, look, you overlook a lot of things within the realm of the local church in order to come here on any given Lord's Day and lift your voice to heaven and sing His praise and to glorify Him because of what He gave so we could be a church. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm preaching about. All the wrath of God was placed on Him. He gave Himself. Notice in the text also, he had a purpose in doing all of this. Look at the word that in verse 26. He's going to tell you now why he did all of this. Here's why he did this. And Wesley Lord, this is why he gave himself for us. This is why he did that. That he might sanctify and cleanse the church with the, by the, with the washing of water by the word. Christ not only loved the church, and Christ, secondly, not only gave Himself for the church, but thirdly, it is Christ who sanctifies and cleanses her. Why did Christ give Himself up for the church? So He could sanctify us and cleanse us. You see, His sacrificial death on the cross was too great, too expensive, to allow those He died for to wallow in sin, and to continue with a self-centered life. People who claim to be a part of the church and never place themselves under the preaching and teaching, the washing and cleansing of the Word of God and the sanctifying aspect of that kind of work, people who never place themselves under that are testifying loudly, my profession may be loud, but I have absolutely no connection with Christ or His church because it is here when we gather, it is here when we pray, it is here when the Word is preached and taught that Christ does His sanctifying and cleansing work in us. You see, when men choose a bride, they choose a beautiful one. Again, unless there's something not connected up here. They look for a bride that's unblemished. Well, there's even lost men. There's, there's, there's a young girl who's clean and pure. I want to marry her. No, I think I'll just go out there and pick up the dirty, filthiest. No, no. You see, when men choose a bride, they choose one beautiful, unblemished, and one that has many good, as many good virtues as possible. But when Christ chose His bride... He chose the ugly, the blemished, the no good works, the filthy, the defiled. Why did He do that? Because through His Word and the work of the Holy Spirit, He's going to wash us and cleanse us and make us a pure, chaste virgin for His glory and honor. Only Christ can do that. Christ didn't put you in the church so you could help others get up to your level. Christ placed all of us in the church so we could submit to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God and be sanctified and cleansed and be a church that would honor and glorify Him. Sanctify there in the text means set apart for God. When Christ died on the cross, His purpose was to set us apart for Himself, a people in truth. And when we gather here every Lord's Day, we're sending a visual message that we belong to Him and thank God we've come for a washing and we've come for a cleansing, and we've come to be sanctified through His Word. Cleanse means to be clean or freed from impurity. Well, thank God He done that great initial work when He saved us. Amen? But He's still doing that work. That's why we gather together. How does Christ cleanse His bride? Well, He tells us that in verse 26. He does it with the washing of water. By the Word. Now, I understand some like to go to baptism here. However, it seems more likely to me, given the context, that Paul is thinking of the total ministry and the power of the gospel in our local churches. Look at it like this, that he may sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the Word. By the Word. Jesus said, now you're clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. Isn't that what he said? Yes. What the psalmist said. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to the scriptures. If you stay away from the local assembly of God on a consistent basis, you're going to be dirty. 
Because it is the Word that cleanses us. Most people come so the preacher can entertain or the preacher can do this or do that. No, the Word cleanses us. The Word washes us. And the Word is what sanctifies us. It cleanses us from impurity. He does that through the Word of God. That's how He does that. And through all the ministry and power of the Gospel. I've been a pastor for almost five decades now. And I have had in every church I pastor people who never need, they, they didn't need anything but a, ca, but a casual sermon two or three times a month. That's enough for them. That's all that they ever needed. I tried to tell my parents that growing up that I didn't need a bath on Saturday night either. But I got one. I needed one. I had to, had to have one. Mom would say, well, if you don't, then look in the mirror and explain that crust under your neck and around your ankles. And young people, you'll have to Google that if you're going to understand what that is. If you've never had a bicycle and a dirt road on a summer day, you don't understand that. I needed bathing more than I realized. Brother, we need the cleansing of the Word of God. We need the preaching and the teaching. We need our daily devotion in the Word of God. We need to gather with men and women of like faith and pray and read and open the Word of God in our families and with one another. We need that. Christ loved the church and gave Himself for the church that He might, the Bible says, sanctify and cleanse it. And He does that through the washing of water by the Word. And I don't know anywhere better to get that than in a local church where Christ is Lord and the Word of God is preached consistently and expositorily. The words are taken, defined and explained just as Ezra did when he stood in the Old Testament and Jesus did when he walked on the Emmaus Road. That cleanses us. I'd like to hear what Joe Jones thinks. Of, it don't matter what Joe Jones thinks about it. What saith the Word of God? To the Corinthians, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, and such were some of you, talking about fornicators and idolaters. But listen what he said. But you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Paul said to the Corinthians, you were one time this, filthy, dirty, defiled, but the Word of God has washed you, and that Word of God continually washes you. Our Lord, having given Himself for us and saved us, makes His love real as the preaching and teaching of the gospel through the Word of God washes us Sunday after Sunday. This is how He refreshes us and keeps us separated from sin and makes us pure as His bride, a church for Himself. Listen to how the prophet Isaiah describes how the Word of God works. In Isaiah 55, 10, and 11, listen to this. This is, a, this is one of the most beautiful passages in all the Word of God. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. What I'm doing this morning, a lot of people think this is something to occupy the time between 11.20 and 12 o'clock. It's something I have to do to please mom and dad or please my family, and I'm out of here. I want to tell you what's happening. It's the preaching of the Word of God. What happened about an hour ago when teachers all over this building opened up the Bible and began to teach the Scriptures, you know what was happening? The rain was coming down, the snow falling out of heaven. And it was doing that refreshing and that giving of life. It's doing that cleansing work. I told Kim just last week, I, was, I had to go, I don't remember now where I was, but I went, went by where they were, had, had cut some either soybean or corn that day. And every bug in the county, I think, had met there for their annual meeting. And uh, about half of them decided to, to, uh, to come toward my windshield. And, and they was probably a representative of over a thousand families on my windshield. And I left my truck sitting out the other night, and it come that hard rain. And I went back out the next morning. I actually went out with my paper towels and my, and my cleanse cleaner to, to clean my windshield. There was not one spot on my windshield. That water, first of all, the dew had laid on there earlier, 
and it had washed and beat off like a high-pressure washer, and then the dew had settled on that, and that morning it just run off of it. That's exactly the way the Word of God does. It sanctifies and cleanses us. It sanctifies and cleanses us. It helps us to be what He wants us to be. And again, one final purpose here in verse number 27. He has another word that. He not only loved the church and gave Himself that He might sanctify and cleanse us, but in verse 27, He did it that He might present it to Himself. A glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I want to be here. In the local church, I want to keep myself under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. I want to be a part of that. Why? Because Christ wants to present me to Himself, a glorious church without spot or without wrinkle or without any blemish in it whatsoever. I don't want to be here for Sunday school pins that run down my lapel. I don't want to be here so some preacher that don't even know me at my funeral says what a faithful man I was. I don't want to be here for any of that. I want to be here because we're going to be presented to Him. He's going to present us to Himself. He died for us, gave Himself for us. That's why I want to be a part of a local church. It's for His glory and for His honor. Look at verse 27. Absolutely amazing. Look at the words He and the word to Himself. That is mysterious but absolutely glorious. Christ will present or place beside Himself a glorious or splendid church and there will be no spot or no wrinkle. It means no stain and no creases in the fabric. And when He's done with us, that we will be holy and without blame, completely set apart by all faults and defections. Turn, if you will, I want to close with this. Turn to 2 Corinthians 11. I want to read this because it, it's the kind of heart that I want to have toward you as your pastor. Now, as you're turning to 2 Corinthians, you know the church at Corinth was an absolute disaster when it comes to about anything as we would say here in Caldwell County, bless their hearts. They, they just couldn't seem like they were divided four ways. You know the story. They had the Lord's Supper messed up, marriage. They couldn't, they just, there was just so many things. They were allowing fornication to go on between kin people inside the church. The church was an absolute disaster. But Paul wrote to them because he loved them. And they were a true church. He says that in Acts 18. God saved them and made that church. But read, read with me there in 2 Corinthians 11. I want to read the first three verses. Now, as I read this, I want you to think about a pastor who loved the people that had come to Christ in spite of their blemishes and their sins and their faults. Paul said in verse 1, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. Now listen to what he says. Remember now, we just talked about the bride of Christ. We're talking about the husband-wife relationship. This is where Paul goes again. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Remember what I just read in Ephesians? Jesus says He's going to present the church to Himself. Paul said in that same manner, He said, I'm, I'm looking after you spiritually, and I want to be able to present you to Christ as a clean virgin as a clean pure local body that's what paul is saying i want all this junk to get fixed so i can present you to christ so that paul could say i could say one day lord here is the local church at corinth i, I was blessed to preach there and you saved these folks and we worked through a lot of things here they are because they obeyed your word and they stayed together here here they are now pure and clear for verse five, verse three but I fear, lest by any means, as the serpents beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. May I paraphrase? Paul is saying, I want to present you. I'm jealous over you. I want to be able to present you to Christ as a pure bride, as a pure local body. But Paul said, I just am afraid that just like, just like Satan beguiled Eve by his subtle ways, that your minds will be corrupted by the subtleness of all these false teachers and by the subtleness of all these men who are trying to make the church something that it shouldn't be. I want to remind Western Lord Baptist Church, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. 
I don't want to present you to Christ as the largest church in Caldwell County. I don't want to present you to Christ as the church that has the most exciting youth ministry. I don't want to present you to Christ as the Christ who has the pastor who everybody knows or everybody wants to come and preach to them. I don't want to present you to Christ like that. I want to be able to present you to Christ as a people who never got beyond their perfect devotion to Jesus Christ. That's the simplicity. That you love Him, that you serve Him, that you share Him, that you live for Him, that you teach your children about Him, that we sing about Him, that we testify about Him, that we rejoice because of Him, and that everything we do is for His glory. Paul said, I'm jealous over you. I want you to stay true to your devotion and simplicity in Christ. Church, I love you. Nothing like Christ loves you. My love is not like Christ. My love is tainted. My love is prejudiced sometimes. My love is less than what it ought to be. But I do love you. And because I love you, I'm jealous over you. I don't mind if you pick up one of my grandkids today or maybe give them a kiss on the cheek. But if you do that much, I'm going to say something to you. That sugar's not for you. Okay? Put it like that. You understand what I'm saying? That's, that's a little bit of a jealousy, right? That's just the way it is. I'm jealous over you, but I want to present you to Christ as a pure church. On my desk today, Sister Gail gave me our annual church report for our church about our attendance, our offerings, our baptisms, our missions, and everything that we do. And we, she does a lot of work on that. And I'm thankful, and we send that in. But I'm not jealous over First Baptist. I'm not jealous over High Brighton. I'm not jealous over Pleasant Hill. I'm not, I'm not jealous over that. I hope every church does good in those areas. I'm not jealous over that. But I am jealous that we will stay devoted to Christ and Christ alone. Because when you're devoted to Him and Him alone, faces can change, personalities can change. Who's preaching here, who's playing the instruments there, who's leading there, who's teaching here, who's doing this, all that stuff can change. But when you're devoted to Christ you press on in the midst of those changes. Because Paul's face will change to Timothy, and Timothy will change to someone else, and my face will change, and so will yours. But never the lovely face of our Savior. It is to Him that we bow. John Owen, a Puritan theologian, compares our weak love with Christ's powerful love. And I'll close with this. I quote, A man may love another as his own soul, yet his love may not be able to help him. A man may pity another man who's in prison, but his pity can never set him free. A man may suffer with another man in trouble, but his suffering will not ease the other one's suffering. We cannot love grace into a child, nor mercy into a friend. We cannot love anyone into heaven, though it may be the greatest desire of our soul. But the love of Christ, being the love of God, is effective and fruitful in producing all the things which He wills for His beloved. He loved us into covenant. He loves us into heaven. End quote. Thank God. Boy, I identified with that last night. There are some people right now that I know that are suffering and going through some difficult things, and I love them, and I sympathize with them, but my sympathy cannot relieve their pain. But thank God His can. I have family, you have family. My greatest desire is that they be saved, but I can't save them, but He can. And as a pastor, I have desires and longings for this church that I cannot see accomplished, 
But I know the head of this. And thank God He can. And His name is Jesus. As we close in prayer this morning, take a moment and be thankful for the church and for a Savior that loved you and proved that love by giving Himself for you. Father, I thank You this morning for the Word of God, passages that we have all heard and read. Lord, I quoted nothing today that most of this congregation is not familiar with. They've heard it preached and heard these things said. But I pray this morning for West Lenore Baptist Church as we sit here before You at the close of this Lord's Day morning, as we sit here today, I ask You, Lord, to renew our understanding, refresh and revive our understanding and our appreciation for the head of the church, Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave Himself for us. Lord, it is not by accident that You chose, when You wrote the New Testament, Lord, it's not by accident that You chose to magnify Your love as the Son more in relating to people and the church than You did the world at large. You had a purpose in that. And I pray we would thank You for it and be, be grateful that You do love us in giving Yourself for us. Now, Father, I pray that Your children today, who are truly Yours, would once again submit themselves to the teaching and preaching of the Word of God and to their own private devotions where the Word can wash and cleanse us and sanctify us because you're going to present us to yourself one day as a pure, chaste virgin without any spot or wrinkle or any blemish, no creases in the fabric. And Lord, that's still accomplished through your precious Word. May Westland North Baptist Church, no matter who occupies this pulpit in the years to come, or no matter who stands behind podiums in Sunday school classes, no matter who sits behind instruments or leads choirs or serves in any capacity, Lord, may none of us ever find ourselves without a supreme devotion and love to Christ. And may you be the center of everything. Thank you for the gospel that is so interwoven with your body and with your bride, your love and the giving of yourself. Work this in us. Work this in us, I pray. Lord, we could walk this off by coming up front, but work this in us. Work this deep within us. And help us today to be thankful for this church and to consistently be devoted and faithful to you. Lord, I want to tell you as simple as I know how. I love you, and I thank you for giving yourself as Paul said, for me, but I thank you for giving yourself for the church. And thank you for giving yourself for those who make up West Lenore Baptist Church. And I pray you would add to this church daily, such as should be saved. Thank you for helping us this morning. Help us tonight as we gather together, our teachers, as a preach. Lord, help every church gather together in your name this morning. May souls be saved, may lives be changed, may homes be reunited and hearts encouraged. And we'll thank you and praise you for it all. In your precious name we pray. Amen.